BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Vic. And I'm Obs. And we have so much to say. About what though? Life, meaning, purpose, trying to figure out all of the super complicated stuff about what it means to be alive. That's deep. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like it will be easier because we're doing it together. True. Each week, we're reading one chapter of Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth, and then recapping what we learn right here on this podcast. So it's kind of like a book club. Kind of. This is going to be so much fun. We love this book and hope you do too. Get ready to awaken to your life's purpose with us. Let's get started because we have so So much much to to say. say. We are live. It is chapter nine. Nine out of 10. I almost just said eight. Yep. We're literally almost done. I can't believe that when I'm holding the book, this much has been read. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm so proud of us for actually getting past chapter three and all the way to nine. <laughs> look at us and look at everyone else who's made it this far. I'm proud of us. <sighs> well, you've had quite the week coming <laughs> off of a CNN live interview just last night. How are you feeling? You know, I'm taking this as my last interview, so thank you. Um, I just, when they were joking, we were like, should we post a picture and just be like, we'd appreciate everyone to respect our privacy at this time. (laughs) For anyone listening who is somehow out of the loop, Aubrey and Wood were on that crazy Alaska flight that got, was, would you say it was hijacked or did they have to be successful? He attempted to hijack your plane. I think it's an attempted hijack. Yeah. And it's crazy reading like this guy is getting convicted of... 83 attempted murders and I'm like that's crazy and then I realized someone attempted to murder me no so that's just kind of <laughs> jarring <laughs> literally like you guys are bodies 82 and 83 or like one and two I mean Wood was just like well at least it's not personal you know <laughs> <laughs> at least it wasn't someone directly trying to kill us no you guys are really uh holding up very well considering did any of the books practices come into handy I have so much to say about this because, yes, absolutely. I would say in a high-stress situation, I think applying these kind of out-there concepts that he's proposing to us comes so much easier. Because it's like, when you think your plane is going down, what are you going to do? Like, you just kind of accept that as the present moment, and that's, that's about it. That's so scary. Holy shit. I know. I know. I really, I really thought we were going down there. (laughs) That is insane. It's like what you were saying in the other episode. If if I was told I had 
10 minutes to die. I know. It was like, what am I going to do? I mean, I was, I was definitely, when I weren't sitting together and I was definitely wondering what he was doing up there. Like that's where my brain was, but I feel like he was involved in my present moment. But someone asked me if like I made any calls or anything. And I was just like, that, that literally did not cross my brain. Like, I was going to say, I didn't, I didn't receive a text in the in I, all re- I potential know, last I'm, hours. I'm so sorry. I guess I was enjoying <laughs> my last living five minutes. <laughs> no, literally though. No, that's, that's dramatic. I think it was definitely a scary 10 minutes, but like shortly after that, for the 20 minutes before we were on the ground, we were pretty calm. Like we didn't know our plane was being hijacked or trying, someone was trying to hijack our plane. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. You manifested that scenario in one of our episodes and someone was like, well, here it is. (laughs) I know. And you know what's weird is Wood, even when we weren't together for six years, was always like, if I was in a plane that was going down, like I have always said, like, I would call you. And I was like, no, you wouldn't. Like, that's crazy. (gasps) When you weren't together? When we weren't together, weren't speaking. And I was like, there's no way. And I was like, did you manifest this? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Wait, that's like so deep that he's always just been like, you're the last person they want to talk to. Oh my God. I know, isn't that crazy? I almost think he's faking it, but he swears. That is a crazy story. At least you'll have that story in your back pocket for dinner parties the rest of your life. Absolutely. It's going to be part of my two truths and a lie forever. I can't believe Wood was on Evenings with Lester Holt. I mean, that's insane. You guys are the poster couple for this. I know. It's so funny. They found me because Wood's mom has a friend who works at ABC and he works specifically on like flights, boats, like those news stories. And Carolyn just happened to text him that article. And she was like, I think we know someone on this flight. Oh my <laughs> And gosh. he like dropped everything. Well, remember us when you get all the way to the top. I'm so tired. <laughs> I want to be on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, too many interviews. <laughs> much to say anyways well thank you for still finding time in your busy schedule to come on this show we're so grateful so your inner purpose chapter nine i was very excited for this one i really did like vibe with it a lot it was pretty short it was super short let's dive in he opens the chapter with as soon as you rise above mere survival the question of meaning and purpose becomes of paramount importance in your life i thought this was powerful because when he says, as soon as you rise above mere survival, he acknowledges the privilege of being able to have conversations about meaning and purpose. Yeah, I think about that a lot, like how lucky we are to be like, what do I want to do with my life and be happy to even have those thoughts? You have ro- risen above mere survival. So I respected that like he acknowledged that. But I think the right. way he phrased it is really helpful to me. Once human beings do learn how to survive, we then no matter what we're doing, are bogged down with this idea of like, wait, but what's the point? It makes me think about, this is random, but animals, he mentions animals at the very end of the chapter, but they are just at mere survival and they are happy and don't have conscious thought and just live as one with the earth. And sorry to jump to the very end, but he talks about- No, we can jump to that. It was cool. I underlined it too. I thought that was so cool. He said that nature exists in a state of unconscious oneness with the whole. This, for example, is why virtually no wild animals were killed in the tsunami disaster of 2004. Being more in touch with the totality than humans, they could sense the tsunami's approach long before it could be seen or heard, which is like... Insane. It's like we think we're so smart as humans 
because we are, but just in a completely different sense than being in touch with the earth. Yeah. I literally could not believe this. The fact that he said they sensed their approach long before enough to withdraw to higher terrain. And then he talks about how doing this because of that is the mind's way of cutting up reality. Whereas nature lives in unconscious oneness with the whole. So it's like doing the thing based on this in tuneness to the present moment and not trying to like make sense of everything. It reminds me of like gut intuition. I highlighted at the top of this exact page, the whole, he keeps calling it the whole. I like that. It was difficult for me a bit. He says the whole is made up of existence and being the manifested and the unmanifested, the world and God. So when you become aligned with the whole, you become a conscious part of the interconnectedness of the whole and its purpose, the emergence of consciousness into this world. I think we've talked about on this show too, how like everything is connected in some way. Mm -hmm. But when you have the awareness of that connectedness of your connection to the universe, which is something I've been trying to tap in. Do you want to keep saying like, I don't know how to do this. Do I pray more? Do I have to believe in God? But really it's like this deep knowing that you are one with everything around you. What I thought was wild too was right below that. He says, as a result of emerging with the whole, spontaneous helpful occurrences, chance encounters, coincidences, and synchronistic events happen much more frequently. And I wrote 444 because I feel like- Literally, when I was having my biggest breakthrough in this book and like making real changes in my life, I saw angel numbers everywhere. Yeah. There's a book called Signs that I just love because I look for numbers and I'm such a believer that the universe is always sending you signs and you just have to look for them. And I know that's woo woo, but like I just truly believe that everything is so connected that nothing happens by chance. Which I do think makes a lot of sense. This chapter though is about purpose. How does that make you feel when you think about it? And then reading this, did you feel like it was helping you discover your purpose in life? I thought this was super helpful for me because I struggle at work specifically to like make it meaningful, understand what the deeper purpose at work is. And not just in my job, because I love my job. I love the people I'm around. I am generally happy on a day-to-day basis at work. But it's more just the zoom out concept of business as a whole that I'm like, I I struggle to get on board with. Like, I think there's jobs that are so meaningful, like, like yours, like you are making a direct impact for something that I deem as very important on a day to day basis. But if you boil down a lot of jobs, like crunching numbers and shuffling papers, which he talks about, I'm like, is that what we're here for? So I struggle at work when I'm talking to a client that it feels phony. Do either of us really want to be talking about business? Is this just silly Mm -hmm. when you zoom out of it? And he says, when you meet with people at work or wherever it may be, give them your fullest attention. You are no longer there primarily as a person, but as a field of awareness. The original reason for interacting with the the other person, buying or selling something, requesting or giving information, and so on, now becomes secondary, which I think is so important like that's when I tap into meaning when I'm out with a client talking to them about buildings I'm like do you care do I care it feels so surface level but then once you start talking to them about where they're from where they grew up you know what inspired them to start their company like that's when I 
feel so authentic and present with them. I love that so much. I'm I can, I'm so glad that you brought this up because I highlighted this exact part and I wrote, yes, trying to be on a call and not be sending emails at the same time or texting. I feel like I'm not always really good at being present with the people that I work with. I always feel like there's more to do or there's things that are more pressing, which like isn't good. And so when you're in that work situation or anyone is and they're not being in it is what he's trying to differentiate between this whole chapter. Do you ever feel like you're recording RealPod and like you're half mentally elsewhere like do you find a difference in your interviews when you're like fully locked in of course that happens not the majority of the time like i just did an interview where i was like fuck like i didn't prepare well enough i rolled out of bed i wasn't really present they're talking and i'm thinking in my head about xyz yes of course that happens i'm human most of the time i would say it doesn't which is great but i think that this difference is the biggest thing. He says, your life has an inner purpose and an outer purpose. Inner purpose concerns being and is primary. Outer purpose concerns doing and is secondary. So I think it's totally fine if you're like, you know what? I love real estate. I like the company I'm at. Or you're not even like I love. I enjoy it. I enjoy talking to people. I love my company, the people that I work with. And you're connected to that inner source of your inner purpose is being presence and awareness and wholeness. Yeah. And then you allow that to make the real estate that you do like more enjoyable and fulfilling. I I completely agree. What he does a good job of is like making success achievable for everyone. No matter what your day job is, you can find purpose. Completely. And I know you were telling me the other day you're working on a listing finding space for this like dog (laughs) shop parlor you know and it's like you find them the best office space possible and then they impact the lives of these dogs and like you don't know who's gonna work there that's gonna be like I love going to work every day was my first job or it's like my favorite place you know I think it's once again that ripple effect of yeah we might not feel it now but it could happen down the line even like we're checking into this hotel it's like a random hotel in the middle of nowhere where I'm out here for speaking and the guy at the front desk is super nice and friendly that has an impact It impacts me. It impacts people he sees. And he's not thinking, oh, I just work the front desk at this small hotel. He makes the most of it. And this is something that you're right. Like, I do feel tons of purpose in my job. But, of course, there are ways that I can do this better where I feel less stress and less anxiousness. Like, which I shouldn't. Like, I have found success working for myself, doing something amazing, and yet I still do because that's the ego. And that's when he talks about that thinking mind comes in and messes it up. But he says on 275, not everybody will have to go through drastic change in their external circumstances. At the other end of the spectrum, you have people who stay exactly where they are and keep doing whatever they're doing, which when I read that, I thought that's, that's probably me. He says, for them, only the how changes, not the what. This is not due to fear or inertia. What they are doing already is a perfect vehicle for consciousness to come into this world, and it needs no other. They, too, bring into manifestation the new earth. So to give an example of this, I had a business call the other day with a mentor, and I was saying, like, what I wanted to do and blah, 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 and, like, you know, this is going to be a smart business move for my revenue streams. And he goes, you know, okay, yeah, yeah, that's all good. He goes, so what's your vision? And I was like, what? Zoom out. He's like, what's your vision? You should be able to tell me in in two sentences. And then when I ask you, what is the why behind your vision? You should also be able to answer that automatically in two sentences. And I was like, fuck. Like I haven't done the, like I could say I want to help people. That's a good, that's a good why. But like, 
I need to get yeah. granular about like, how am I trying to help people and what sort of help am I giving? Cause there's specific help, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. That's so interesting. And I think for everyone, like we need to come up with what our vision is and why that's our vision. And I think the misconception that we all need to be Mother Teresa or we all need to become Eckhart Tolle and write this book. Oh my God, I couldn't believe he won a lottery ticket and he was so poor. I had no idea about that part of the story. I know. I know. It literally says that Eckhart dropped out of this promising education career, ran out of money, bought a lottery ticket for $1,000, which kept him going to write The Power of Now, his first book. But I think people think we have to be these Mark Zuckerberg type names or Steve Jobs. And really... You don't. You know what's funny is that I literally wrote down Steve Jobs because when Eckhart talks about success, I have so much to say on the success part. The other day, I don't even know if I mentioned this in the podcast, but I I said something like, God, I can't wait till I'm successful. And Wood was like, what do you mean by that? And he was like pressing me on what I meant by it. And I was like, I don't know. T- I just, I was just, it was a throwaway comment and I can't wait till I'm successful. But to me, I probably would have defined it as like, I'm far up in my career. I've made a ton of money. Like people recognize my name. The typical surface level things that people associate with success. And Eckhart says that some say success is the result of a combination of hard work and luck or determination and talent or being in the right place at the right time. While any of these may be determinants of success, they are not its essence. What the world doesn't tell you because it doesn't know is that you cannot become successful. You can only be success. Mm-hmm. You can only be successful. And I wrote down Steve Jobs next to the part where he says, if you make a product or service that sells money, is it successful? Yes, in conventional terms. But in reality, you spent two years polluting your body as well as the earth with negative energy, made yourself and those around you miserable and affected many others you never even met. Which, if you read about Steve Jobs, everyone knows who he is, but everyone says he's kind of an asshole. So it's like, I don't know what level of good and positivity and negativity. Right. Whereas there's a farmer somewhere that no one knows that has been so nice to every single person who's ever come to, like, buy their strawberries. I couldn't even choose what to highlight, but I, I just drew a box around the entire page. I mean, I feel like this has been something you and I have been toying with this whole time is like, wait, then how do we think about the future? How do we want to be successful? I love that he like did get to this. I'm like, chapter nine is kind of late, buddy. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, like, we're going to put this at the the intro or he could have been like, just put your careers on hold until we get there. Yeah. But he says how success and our idea of success is so wound up in this idea of time and on the page right before that 269 he says your primary purpose is to enable consciousness to flow into what you do the secondary purpose is whatever you want to achieve through the doing whereas the notion of purpose before like society's belief was always associated with future there's now a deeper purpose that can only be found in the present through the denial of time. And then right after that is when he says the quote you mentioned, when you meet with people at work, you're no longer there as a person, but as a field of awareness. So I think that like something we all need to take with us is, and gosh, like I highlighted 270, 271, 272, that if we're not able to feel content in the present moment, we're never gonna be able to experience that happiness we think success is gonna give us. And I loosely gave that like nugget on it on that beginning of that one episode from Nicole. Just this whole idea of like, if you can't be present now, 
and enjoy the present moment now, how do you expect yourself to flip on the switch of knowing how to be present when you get the thing you want? You can't. Yeah, it's crazy. What did you think about the way he set up this chapter with the call and response questions and answers? I thought it was helpful. It's so funny you say that because I was also like, who do we get to write these questions? Because I'm thinking it was Eki trying to put himself in our shoes. Yeah, he's like, what was it like when I was four and unconscious? Um, (laughs) But I'm like, I needed these questions to be a little bit more... Like, I did, I did think the questions were powerful, like, especially when she says, but if I'm present all the time, then I would never want to change my situation because I'd be thinking about the future and how I'd want to change it. Like, yeah. I thought that that was helpful. That was a question I definitely have had, too. Yeah. And he says on 275, being at one with what is doesn't mean you no longer initiate change or become incapable of taking action. But the motivation to take action comes from a deeper level, not from egoic wanting or fearing. Oh, my God. I have an example of this. Oh, my God. Yay literally something happened this past weekend that was usually incredibly jarring for me and would have been something that like really set me off and made me probably cry and like ruin my whole day and although the thing that happened was not in alignment with my boundaries that I've set and it wasn't something that I will tolerate I literally I did the work in this moment. It's so crazy. It's so wild when you're reading this book and then like it happens. So I'm sitting there and, you know, the best I can say is like, I have been incredibly disappointed, disrespected, and boundaries have been crossed in this moment. And I thought to myself, I can get up from this table, throw a tantrum, storm out of here. I can do all these negative things and disrupt this evening for everyone else here, or I could recognize that that's the little me. That's I literally t- was sitting there thinking to myself, that's the little me. I'm like, or I can take some deep breaths, recognize that this is not personal, that this person is suffering deeply, and that I would like to be with the other people who are here. I would like to maintain a pleasant attitude and emotions because it's nice for me. Then add suffering to my life, freak out, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so to his point, I'm not tolerating it. The next day I had a conversation with this person and was really proud of the conversation and the things that I said. But what wasn't there was the crying breakdown, the depressive mentality the next morning that I woke up, the fit thrown in front of the people. Like I really feel like I was at one with that moment. I said, this is where we are. I can't change it. How do I want to respond? I think what also shows that you've done the work and – aside from taking it all with a grain of salt at that dinner, is the fact that during chapter two, this would have been the first thing you said on this podcast. And you literally just had to be like, oh, wait, something happened to me. You know what I mean? Like, you weren't carrying that. You put her down. Oh, my God. You're so you know? right. You're you know so what I mean? right. Wait, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Like, you would have gotten on and been like, let me tell you guys something. Yes. <laughs> Some shit went down. Which is an example of like how it would have been stirring in me and then I would have had this like this proudness to share it, which like of course I'm proud of myself for for handling this, but like you're so right. Even the delay of forgetting that this occurred just further proves how enlightened I am. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yes, queen. Little (laughs) Eki. Little Eki's. We're little Eki's. Yeah, so that was a win for me. So like I, I get... 
I get what he's saying. It has only come to me in some moments. It's really hard in others. What about you? I mean, the plane situation, have you noticed any, now that we're nearing the end of the book, especially talking about this chapter in particular of outer and inner purpose? Back to the plane situation, just if we're going full scope with the book, I genuinely have nothing but compassion and empathy for that guy who tried to take down the plane. There's zero part of my body that feels angry or, and like, who knows if the situation turned out differently. Of course, it's easier to be like, I have nothing but compassion when nothing bad did happen. But like, truly, I feel so sorry for his kids. I feel so sorry for whatever mental health break that he had that caused him to do that. I I truly do not think he's a bad person, which is insane. But like, no part of me holds anything but sympathy. Wow. It's giving little ecky. It's giving little ecky. But like without even trying, like it's not like I had to get to this yeah. place, but like for what? Why be Why be angry at this guy? He has a family, like his neighbors and kids and wife are probably so confused. He's probably confused. I don't know. And if we we're going to go ecky with it, his ego did that, not him. So yeah. Wow. Obs. That's major. I mean, yeah. I totally follow your train of thought too like what are you gonna do sit and be like i fucking hate this guy and i'm gonna follow his jail sentencing and i hope he gets behind bars yeah that doesn't make your life better no my uh, my godfather who's like so sweet and i saw a news article with my name in it called me and left me like a three-minute voicemail being like we need to get you counsel like you're gonna be part of like a big trial like whatever and like if it's up to me I, i don't think this is gonna happen but like if it's up to me like i want no part of it like yeah Wait, I wonder if because you've been doing interviews, the court could like subpoena you to like come in and speak. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I was just kind of enjoying my five minutes of fame. And then (laughs) my godfather left me a scary voicemail and I was like, God, shoot, what do I do? (laughs) (laughs) No, you're going to be fine. I think they could call in a witness, but you could probably decline it. I don't know. We'll have to figure out legally. I don't know. Well, that's not the present moment, so it's not my problem. (laughs) I'll deal with it when we get there. Right. Oh, my gosh. I love that. What did you think on 273? I was just like, this this just speaks to us. But he says, other kinds of change may suddenly come to you from without. Does that make sense? Before that, he's talking about the process of elimination. Like, you realize what doesn't serve you in life, and you get rid of those things. And then other kinds of change may suddenly come to you from without, like without those things that... Right. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate that. And then he says, a chance meeting brings new opportunity and expansion into your life. A long-standing obstacle or conflict dissolves. Your friends either go through this inner transformation with you or drift out of your life. Some relationships dissolve, others deepen. I feel like it took me 25 years to figure out that I didn't have to hold on to every friendship and letting people and relationships drift isn't always a bad thing. It's just people can hold space for different things in their life at different times. And it took me a long time to realize that, but it just made me so grateful that like somehow after 25 years, we have always remained this close and on the same page about everything. I know. It's like so wild. The fact that we can have these conversations and that we were like so different in the sense of what we did in college and even our want desires in high school, like we're just different, but so similar, like at our core. But then it goes back to like faith. How were we neighbors on 72 and 74 and born the same year, three days apart. And 
went to the same school. K through college. Like, how are we college roommates after being neighbors? And for... we've never had a big falling out. No. We've never even had a fight. We've had a discussion. We've had, I would, I would, we've had fights, but we yeah. argue like we're married. Like, we, we argued like a married couple. We're like, it's us against the, against the point and we're a team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm like, what can we do as a unit to move forward over this hurdle? Yeah. And you're the only person too, who like, if I remotely, like, I can't be stubborn with you. I could be stubborn with everyone else, but if I remotely do really? anything. Yeah. I feel am like I I'm stubborn. Am I stubborn back? To me? No, yeah. I don't think I don't think we're stubborn to each other. I think oh. if we had this, I'm trying to see if we had the same argument with one of Anyone our. Anyone else? Whereas, like, <laughs> when you come to me and say I don't like the way you said this, I'm like, hands down, guards down. Oh I'm, my so God, sorry. I'm so sorry. Sorry. Whereas, yeah. if it was Max, I'd be like, what did I even say? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, can you put it on paper? We we're having yeah. this discussion. Oh, we were having a discussion about tone versus actual transcript, and who you and what. Yeah. And like, I was like, I don't like your tone. He's like, look at what I said. I'm like, I said, I didn't like your tone. Not, not, <laughs> not what you said. What you said was fine. You play back the, play back the script. It was fine. But you and I, it's so, it's always like led with such compassion and softness. I think there's truth to that though. Tone does have an effect on how people, how things are received. And yeah. I feel like what Eckhart said in one of the chapters about, having a high quality no or a high quality yeah. confession, rejection, boundary setting. I've been trying to think about that a lot. How can I say something that the transcript is a boundary or seems stern or seems blah, 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 but the way that I say it don't has any doesn't have any sense of jab. And that's something I need to get better at. Yes. But to your point about reading like things in your life will change, I do love how we've stayed so close. And I will say that, like, I related to a lot of his comparisons there. I do feel like I've had long-term issues that suddenly don't feel as deep because of the work yeah. that I've done through this book. Or I haven't even noticed people drift. Like, I'm not to a place where I'm like, oh, my God, if you haven't done this work and you don't get it, I don't want to be your friend. It's no. more so just, like, I do feel like we, we're friends operating on this different wavelength of, like, I feel like I'm constantly tapping into this third dimension of our interactions and you're not and it's fine and I will I will carry that weight is kind of how I approach it. I also find that our conversations are different. The gossiping has just subsided. I just it not even intentionally, but like I don't sit there and shit talk anyone anymore. Obviously things come up, but like not the way it used to be. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't fucking say anything at all. I'm like my yeah. mom's right. <laughs> that's funny I find myself like filling space I think with gossip before and like now I genuinely appreciate the silence yeah I feel like having these deep conversations also makes it harder to like tolerate and sit through the very vanilla ones dude yes I was at a wedding and I was talking to someone and it was like we were both like just chatting and I was just like are we do we need to be doing this? Can we not? Well, that is one of my things is I'm like, oh God, I don't want to meet someone and talk if I'm never going to see you again. Like, what's the point? Like, let's both just like have our water and like, who cares? But I feel like that's such a negative mindset because it's like, so bad. you're judging yeah. this person based on like, I don't need another friend. They don't look like they'd be my friend, but you never know what could come out of the conversation if you met it with like complete openness. Completely. I, I did not have a, an open mindset that day. I felt it in myself. Like I was having such a hard time, like being open it just like seeps in to every conversation and like you know the other person can probably feel it whereas yesterday for whatever reason I was just like 
probably just in a chatty mood. I went into this work event that I was at and I was just talking to all these strangers. I got a ride home with someone like so fun. Like we had a good time because like, and I'm like, we had a good time. I have no idea if they had a good time. I was having a great time because I was open and wanted to chat with everyone and get to know them. And that was the mood I was in. So like tapping into that mood is something I'd like to work on. Yeah, but I do feel like it's okay to not always feel that way. Like yesterday, I got off of a plane and we had this two-hour Uber drive and like the Uber driver just would not stop talking. And like, (laughs) I'm just, I'm not here to talk. I click the little thing that says no conversation to which the Uber driver literally said, I see you click the no conversation thing. So I should, uh, I should quit yapping or something. I'm like, how awkward that you said that out loud. What am I supposed to say? Yes, please. Now I'm going to say, Wait, no, don't worry about I it. Had, I had one that said the same thing. And I'm like, well, now I feel like we have to talk. I do think I struggle to find what's the happy medium of being like, God, it's like, you don't want to be somewhere. You have to be somewhere. And like, you have to put on a face. I hate putting on a face, but not everyone yeah. like, I wish you could say everyone raise your hand. If you also came here and put a fake smile on, I wish we could yeah. do that. <laughs> You know what's so funny is I think about that every time I'm getting my hair done. Like, you know how your hairdressers like talk to you the entire time, basically? A lot of times I don't want to be talking. Like, I just want to sit and scroll on my phone and have the three hours of peace. And yes, that's how long it takes for them to do my hair. Um, (laughs) And like we're chatting and I'm like, I wish we I wish I could just like be like, do you want to be talking right now or do you need a break? You probably talk to everyone all day long. I try to be super upfront. Like it makes me feel better if I sometimes like when I have glam before an event and they come to do my makeup, I'll be like, I wish I could catch up with you more, but I have to finish some of these emails in the chair. And they're like, no worries. I just like to say it. It makes me feel better. Sometimes too in in events, I'll be like, sorry if I'm seeming so low energy and not super chatty. I've had the longest day. And then I feel like they're like, oh, no worries. Like if someone said that to me, I would get it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But then it's like, are they going to say, oh, why has your day been hard? And I'm like, I don't want to open up to you. I don't, I don't, we're not going to do this. Listen to my podcast. (laughs) I don't know. See, why didn't Eki put that in the call and response? This is why he should have consulted us. That's why we need him for episode 10. He recently went on a podcast. So like, he's gettable. I mean, Eki, if you're listening, there's no way you're two biggest fans besides Oprah. But hopefully. Um, Okay, real quick. The one last thing I want to say before we go, super short, is on 276, I highlighted this paragraph. The other more serious reason for the illusion of separateness is compulsive thinking. It is when we are trapped in incessant streams of compulsive thinking that the universe really disintegrates for us and we lose the ability to sense the interconnectedness of all that exists. Thinking cuts reality up into lifeless fragments. Extremely unintelligent and destructive actions arise out of such fragmented views of reality. I thought this was powerful because he's saying if you're not feeling the unity with the world between you and the universe, one of the biggest reasons is the fact that you're having thoughts, trying to like justify everything, tie it to a present moment, quantify the what, the why, the how. And I just thought that like the idea that I could be in a sticky situation or we could feel like we're in this place and actually the best thing we can do for 10 minutes is to have no thoughts and like just try to breathe and be present and then come back to it. There's no way to find the best solution when you're just thinking, thinking, thinking about it. I feel that like even if I get in an argument or disagreement you start mind racing thinking like just catastrophic thoughts and then you come back to it 10 minutes later and you're like oh this is absolutely nothing that I made it out to be literally I feel like I have that all the time uh 
Okay, yay. Well, I mean, that was chapter nine. Short, sweet. Short, sweet, cute. And I cannot believe we have one more chapter. I will say, like, I don't know if it's, I got so much from the beginning of the book, but I really feel like ever since chapter six. Yeah. No, or was it seven? Was seven the crazy one that we needed to I yes. literally feel like ever since chapter seven, I might be at like a little bit of a mental fatigue. Like I, I think so like, too. Shoving in room in my brain for eight, nine, and ten has been quite hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like we're really, but I also feel like he's like should have started with these, but I guess he needed to prep us for them. Yeah, I do feel like he kind of did everything he needed to do, and now he's kind of like, and here are some important things when applying it to your real life, which like is important. Right. Right. And I will say, I think a lot of people do, like, read this book in phases. And the fact that we've been grinding it out every week is, like, a fucking lot on top of our lives and work. So I have compassion I for us. I have compassion for us, too. We'll okay, we well, Yeah, we will. Okay, well, I love you. And we're back next week for the last So Much to Say episode That's ever. Fun. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Obs and I are so excited to read the next chapter of A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. We'll be back again next Friday with our recap so you have plenty of time to read if you want to keep up with us. Be sure to follow the show on Instagram at RealPod. So much to say is a part of the RealPod family so you get everything right there and you can also follow us individually at Victoria Brown and at Aubrey Gavello. Okay, thank you. Love you. And we'll see you next week.